that we're in this marriage series. Last week, today, of the marriage series. And uh, in the first week, if you cast your mind back two weeks, we talked about the difference between love and being in love. We talked about the foundation of biblical love and how we can build marriages on that rather than just the emotive being in love, which is great, but not the foundational part of what marriage is supposed to be. And then last week, Brian talked about a whole lot of things that we as individuals bring into a marriage relationship, or any relationship really, our personalities, our styles of resolving conflict, the way that we treat each other, our family histories, all of it comes together and all of it affects who we are. And he talked about how we can work through that and uh, form some cohesion, even though we come as very different and diverse people. Now I know that one of the things that some of you might have been thinking during the course of this series is, you know, really we're just hearing one side of the story here. Right? That's what you've been thinking, isn't it? It's really we're just hearing from the guys. You know, this is all just the men talking. And men would say that, wouldn't they? And so this morning we're going to try and remedy that. And Anna is going to come up and, and we're going to talk together. So come on up. All right. Yep, that's all right. Let's get the mic sorted out. So we've never done this before. This is all new to us. I mean, normally, normally I don't even let Anna read my messages before I preach them. And uh, this week I found out why that is. <laughs> so, so, uh, but so, and so this morning she's actually a part of it. So we are we are both way out of our comfort zones here. But the reason that we're doing this is um, not not to try and say in any way that we've got a perfect relationship. Um, we're happily married, been married for ten years, ten and a half years, and um, and 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 we're we're doing fine. Um, but we want to be here as a way of grounding and earthing this series. It's been good for us uh, the last couple of weeks and in putting this material together because it's raised issues for us. Um, It's forced us to have another look at things. And we've realized that for us the last year, a lot of the last year for us has been about parenting. Um, With Josh, you were coming on board. We've we've been focused on him. And it's been pretty all-consuming and we've kind of realized our relationship has been to some degree on autopilot. And this has been a really helpful process for us, just just bringing that to the surface and and, and causing us to have a fresh look at things and ask some questions of where we're at and just take that next step and just bring back intimacy and oneness into our relationship again. But really what we're doing is just seeking to make things practical, to look at what we've talked about the last couple of weeks and just ask, how does this work? You know, how does it work in the real life of a marriage and trying to ground some of the concepts, love and so on, that can be quite abstract in just the daily grind of life, of married life, and what it actually looks like. So that's basically what we're about. I can't reach the ground, I'm just going to do this for a minute. <laughs> Alright, that's better. <laughs> Alright, so, come you come down. I'm <laughs> dangling. Alright. So obviously there are um, lots of different things we could look at, but what we've thought we'd do today is um, focus um, this last session on looking at the roles and responsibilities of husbands and wives within marriage. So we're going to frame what we're talking about around Ephesians 5, which is the one passage in the Bible more than any other that talks about specifically the wife's role, the husband's role in marriage. Now, this is a really tricky passage 
and so we just want to acknowledge that up front, that um, there are different views of this passage, different interpretations of these verses, um, and it can it can be controversial and it can be a bit um, it can be emotive issues. So we've looked at this together over the years. We've looked at it as individuals. We've talked about it with different people. We've um, studied it in a Bible college setting, and even our own understanding of this passage has definitely changed. And we've had different interpretations over the years um, as we've kind of tried to make sense of it and tried to apply it to our um, our marriage. So we just want to say that um, if you view these verses differently to us, that's fine, and we really understand that because. Um, yeah, we've been in different places on it as well. Um, and so we just want to deal with this with a lot of grace and we'd ask the same from you, that um, if, if we interpret it a little bit differently, that you would um, have patience with us also. Ephesians 5 is where we're going to be. So we'll read these verses out as we go. Um, one of the things that Brian brought up last week is that the, 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 the heading over this whole section in most translations, is in the wrong place. Uh, in most versions, if you've got an NIV, uh, the section heading, which usually says something like instructions for Christian households, comes after verse 21, before verse 22. And it makes it look like verse 21 is really a part of the previous section, and this new section starts at verse 22. That's not the right way to divide this passage. Verse 21 is the beginning of a section that deals with Christian households, husband and wife, and then children and parents. And so verse 21 needs to be seen as part of this section. So I'm going to start there uh, with this verse. 21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That verse really is the canopy over this whole section. Before we get into dealing specifically with the instructions to husbands and then the instructions to wives, uh, Paul confronts us with this instruction to both which is to submit to one another. And that's not particularly comfortable to think about, but this is where it starts, is with this idea of mutual submission. And we'll come back to that later on, talk about what mutual submission means, but for now I just want to draw one point out of this verse, which is that he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is, the submitting is to, is to be coming out of our own relationship with Christ. And we've talked about this previously that your relationship with God has a profound effect on your marriage. Whether you realize it or not, how close you are to God this morning is affecting how close you are to your spouse or to your boyfriend or girlfriend or even to friends and family. We underestimate this. We think these are two separate things. They're not. Your walk with God is inseparably tied to your relationships. And, and I know this is true for me. The times that I'm, I'm just distant from God. The times that I'm not walking with God, not listening to Him, not keeping in step with Him, it's far easier for me just to get grumpy at Anna. It's far easier for me to be emotionally distant from Anna, to just not want to enter into conversation. Just, it's, it's like a turn inwards. You know what I'm talking about. When you just, you're not on track with God, you just find it's a turn towards self and towards just what I want to do and we stop looking outwards to the other person. And, and the opposite is true as well. I find that when I am keeping in step with God, walking with Him. It's so much more natural for me to want to meet Anna's needs, for me to want to serve and encourage and spend time and have conversation. You know, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as our helper. And He is our helper in marriage as much as any other area. The Spirit is given to help us 
And that help comes in all kinds of forms, little and big, but, but the Spirit enables us and resources us to serve even in times that we don't feel like it. And this should be a good reminder for us, it's a good reminder for me, to keep in step with the Spirit during the day because it has a profound effect on our marriage relationship. So the next verses um, in the passage are definitely the most difficult. So he gave them to me. All right. That's right. Here we go. So, verses 22 to 24, I'll put it on the screen for you. Wives, submit to your husbands, to your, uh, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Okay, so these verses are addressed to wives, and Paul's instructions here revolve around the concept of the husband being the head over the wife. Now, um, sometimes Christians can understand these verses in, in the context of a hierarchy, okay? So the husband is the head over the wife, so therefore the husband has authority over the wife. Now, um, this is really commonly held, and in marriages where um, this is the way these verses are interpreted, that doesn't necessarily mean, I'm sure, that the husband, therefore, has all authority, makes every decision in that relationship, and the wife just becomes the totally passive party. Um, but rather, in those marriages, although both husband and wife still together are making decisions, ultimately um, the view would be that well, the husband has the ultimate authority. So in a situation where um, a decision needs to be made and they can't um, reach agreement, the husband has kind of that power of veto, I guess, to say, well, this is how, um, this is what will be. And so we want to just offer another way of thinking about this whole idea of headship, because it is controversial and it is difficult. The, the metaphor that's going on here is head and body. And as you, as you go through the passage, the husband is described as the head, the wife is described as, as the body. It's not just the husband, it also applies to the wife, head and body. So the picture ends up being husband and wife are pictured like a complete human person, a complete human being, husband, head, and the wife is the body. And interestingly, that, that same metaphor is used in the Bible of other relationships as well. It's used of God the Father and God the Son in 1 Corinthians 11. God the Father is the head of Christ, who is the body. It's used of Christ and humanity. Christ is the head of every man or every person. It's used in Ephesians of Christ and the church. Christ is the head, the church is the body. So this, that's where we get the idea of the church as the body of Christ from. <clears throat> so the head and the body thing is commonly used for relationships, as it is here, husband and wife. And we want to suggest that the, the, the real issue here is not so much authority as it is unity. It's not primarily about hierarchy, it's about oneness. It's about head and body being part of the same person, part of the same human person. And the emphasis is not that the husband's the head, so he has this position of authority or hierarchy over his wife. It's that the husband is the head and the wife is the body, and these two things are inseparably united. Husband and wife are head and body, and that creates oneness. That creates profound unity between husband and wife, and that's really the context within which these other verses need to be taken. Uh, it, it's the same in the other sets of relationships where this metaphor is used. God the Father is not the hierarchy over God the Son, but there is unity between Father and Son. Christ and the church, the image is not of hierarchy, the image is of this 
unity, Christ and the church as the bride of Christ. And so it is here. So we'd suggest that the, the dominant image here in the head and body metaphor is not hierarchy, but oneness and unity between husband and wife. And so that image of headship as oneness then becomes the context in which we take verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. So as wives, we are submit to our husbands, but it's not because they are our boss, but because we are inseparably united, linked with them as a body is to its head. And that incredible oneness is something we should be striving to achieve in practice. And for us wives, that involves submission. Now, as soon as we mention that word, I know it's just such, it's a really tricky one to deal with because you say the word submission and it conjures up all these images of these oppressed women with broken wills just um, obeying their husbands every whim. Which, which, is, you know, which is good about right, haven't <laughs> <laughs> Happy with that? And we thought, you know, what would that look like in our marriage? You know, Reuben would choose all his own clothes. That's you right. Know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to talk about submission and kind of take it away from just the baggage of misunderstanding and stereotype that surrounds it. Um, it does have those ne- negative connotations because it sounds like one person has control over the other person, that one person in the relationship holds all the power and um, they control the person who is submitting. Okay, but if you start to be led by the image of unity rather than the image of authority, um, submission starts to look different. And Paul himself um, gives us the best way of um, changing our thinking of what submission looks like. And if you skip down to verse um, verse 33, he says, the wife must respect her husband. So in Paul's mind, they become kind of equivalent equivalent things. To say that a wife is to submit to her husband means that a wife should respect her husband. Um, And that respect is something that's really important to our men. That's definitely true. Respect's really, really important to guys. I think what guys need is uh, our wives to believe in us, right? We want them to be our biggest cheerleader. We want them to be our supporter. We want them to affirm us. We want them to. We want to know that they really do back us and that they respect what we do and, and what we might accomplish and what we might achieve. We want to know that they're right there and they're, they're, they're cheering us on. That's kind of what, what every guy needs. I mean, it's not like we need them to stand up and clap every time we walk in the room, but we just, you know, we, we, just, we just want to know, that would be nice too, but we're, we're, just, we're, we're just wanting that affirmation. The, the thing with respect though, I think when it comes to guys, it's not just this general and abstract concept, it, it does look different to different people. Uh, guys have different love languages, we need to re- receive respect in different ways. For me, uh, it's, it's words of encouragement. This is, this is the big one for me. I'm, I'm all about the words of affirmation. Um, you know, gifts or acts of service and other things, they don't mean as much to me. What really means something is, is words. That's what, that's what and, and especially in areas that mean a lot to me, like, like preaching. So if Anna compliments me on a particular thing as part of a message that I've preached, it means far more to me than 10 other pieces of encouragement I might get. And if she criticizes me, it's going to cut deeper than 10 other people that might criticise because her affirmation means more to me than other people. So I need that affirmation. It's the wind in my sails. And so I've established in our marriage relationship what I like to call the 1 to 10 rule, which is 
if, if ever the need should arise to offer a piece of constructive criticism, uh, this should be matched by 10 pieces of encouragement. And the encouragement should all come first, and then the one piece of criticism can come after that. So I think that's a pretty reasonable rule. And of course this has never happened, you know, this is, this is Ruben's rule. And I tell you what, it, not only is it hard, I mean, I could easily think of 10 things, I'm sure, to encourage a preaching, but you know, it's, it's, it's a... I'll just stop. Okay. <laughs> but this thing, it doesn't come naturally to me to do this, all right? Um, I grew up in a home where um, we all loved each other and supported each other and we knew um, what what it meant to, what the standards were to be achieved and um, when those standards were achieved and people did well, that was a good thing and we knew that that pleased our parents. But um, it wasn't something we made a big song and dance about. So if you did well, it was good, you've done well kind of thing, but we didn't have any red plates, okay? There wasn't a big hoopla around um, encouragement and achievement. So it's not something that then naturally in a marriage relationship I would do to Reuben just to encourage him all the time. And then I find myself married to someone who needs that so much from me. Um, and that really has been a huge source of frustration over the years for us because I think, right, he needs um, these words of encouragement. So I make what I feel is this huge, huge effort to give him this encouragement and respect. And I think, wow, I'm just going the extra mile here. And then for him, that can still only at times feel like a fraction of what he really needs. Um, and, and then that's even more frustrating for me because I think, well, this is just extreme. How much do you need from me here? <laughs> and what I've had to realise <laughs> is that it's not unreasonable. It is, that is his need. And so rather than me trying to change how much he needs from me, it's me just getting on board and realising, okay, that's not, I don't really understand it because that's not, not how I would receive love, but that's what it means to love him and respect him and submit to him. So I just have to get on board with that and... Um, and keep encouraging. Doing a really good job. <laughs> so this is just one example, um, but it shows the wives that submission, it isn't this kind of vague, abstract concept, but it is primarily about respect, um, and that guys need to experience that, um, that guy, different guys experience respect in different ways. Um, but of course submission is more than just respect. In the broader sense, what is submission? It's putting aside my own will, my own needs, um, to put the other person ahead. Okay, it's submitting my will to another person's. So it means being patient with your husband. It means speaking kindly to him. If you look at um, 1 Corinthians 13, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago, all those things there that describe what love is help us to understand what it means to um, submit. In that passage it talks about um, love being not self-seeking. And isn't that just a description of what it means to submit? I'm going to submit my own will to please you. So. Um, love is not easily angered. I submit my desire to be angry at um, what might be legitimately an annoying thing um, and choose instead to speak kindly, to have patience. So love and submission become two things that are so interwoven that you can't really have one without the other. Um, and Paul's point here in Ephesians 5 is simply that for husbands, a major way um, in which love and submission need to be received is through respect. Um, so it might be words of encouragement, as it is in our situation, but it might be through acts of service, it might be through different things. So the challenge for us as wives is to figure out what is it that speaks to our husband of respect and then make an effort to be doing those things. Okay, let's go to the next section in Ephesians 5, which is addressed to husbands. So that's starting in verse 25. Let's read that together. Husbands, love your wives 
just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, people never hated their own bodies, but they feed and care for them, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. So this whole section is addressed to husbands. It should tell you something straight up that uh, there's only about three verses addressed to wives, and then there's a whole big section addressed to husbands, so we've got to, we've got to listen here. But, you know, what... what tends to happen when we think about the husband's role is that we just sort of flip around the wife's role and we think, well, if her role is to submit, then my role as a husband must be to lead my wife. She's submitting and I'm leading. But when you look at Paul's instructions here to husbands, there's nothing in this passage about husbands leading their wives. There's just not. That word's just not there. I know that it's commonly used, but there's nowhere in the scriptures are husbands commanded to lead their wives. What we're commanded to do, guys, is to love our wives. That's what Paul says. That's the simple instruction. For us, it's about love. And that love, that type of love, brings us back again to the head and the body metaphor. Paul keeps working with it. He says, all right, husbands, if you're like the head and your wife is like the body, what's the head going to do for the body? It's going to care for it. It's going to look after it, as you would your own body. Some of you guys don't really look after your own body, so you know, I don't know whether that's a good metaphor for guys, but that, you know, that's, that's the idea. You know, we, we are to care for our bodies, washing and looking after and taking care of and nurturing. These are the things that we're supposed to be doing. And Paul puts in front of husbands a pretty high bar here. He says this is to be the same as Christ loving the church. This is the same type of love, not about Christ leading the church, it's about Christ loving the church, and the way that Christ did that is by giving himself up for her, by actually laying his life down for the church. This is not about exercising authority over, this is about serving under. This is about giving up ourselves. This is about laying down ourselves. This is about setting aside our needs. This is about putting aside our interests. Love always involves giving something up. And it could be big things, it could be small things, but this is where it's at for us husbands. We need to be prepared to love, not just in a general and vague abstract realm, but through the giving up of ourselves. For me, I happen to be a bit of a, of a closet Phil Collins fan. Which I say, I'm not really a closet fan anymore because I've just told you, but I, I do like a bit of uh, Billy Don't Lose My Number, you know, a bit of Another Day in Paradise, perhaps. And so I've got a couple of Phil Collins CDs, a couple of Phil Collins DVDs, actually some that Anna bought me out of the kindness of her heart. She usually selfless of But Anna hates Phil Collins. <laughs> she hates him and everything he stands for. It's just she doesn't, doesn't like him. And so there have been some times when I've tried to play Phil Collins while Anna's been at home and it has been not worth it. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so I've learned, you know, rather... I mean, it's a small and silly example, but rather than pushing it and rather than standing on some kind of my entitlements, my rights, I'm the authority, the, you know, I've got to choose what I do in those situations and for me, loving means giving something up. Now, I still listen to Phil when I'm just by myself, but in the context of being with Anna, that's something I've had to set aside because it annoys her. 
and so I've got to choose what I do. And you know, there's big examples as well. I know guys who have given up alcohol, and they're not big drinkers, but for their wives, that's an issue. So they've chosen, I'm going to give it up. I know a guy, I was talking to him the other week, who has given up a career promotion at work because it would have taken more time away from his family. It would have got him career-wise faster to where he wanted to be, but he's chosen to give something away, give something up for the sake of his wife. This is the kind of thing. So it happens in the, in the mundane, the trivial, the fun kind of stuff, and it happens in the big ways as well. The, the idea is we need to understand what is it that expresses love to our wives. Guys, we can't leave this in an abstract realm. We've got to look at our wives, study our wives, and say, how do they need to receive my love? For Anna, primarily, this comes through conversation and quality time. So my thing is words of encouragement, and my default setting is just going to be to give love the way I want to receive it, which is to encourage. But that's not how she wants to receive love. For her, it's conversation and quality time. This is quite brutal for me, because I'm, you know, I come home after a, a day talking to all you, and I'm like, I'm just, I just want to crash on the couch. I just want to turn on the TV and just blob, you know. But... I've got to get myself in the frame of mind where I realise that's not what Anna needs. What she needs is for me to love, and that love is expressed through quality time and conversation, through me engaging in conversation with her, talking with her, listening to her, responding intelligently, and actually having a proper conversation, right? But it's not just that, you know, I want Rube to come home from his day and sit across the table and so we can gaze into each other's eyes and have meaningful conversation. You know, I'm perfectly happy as well after a day just to sit, watch TV and chill out. But for me, the difference is that is something I want to do with my husband. I want us to be doing this together. We're watching a show together. I've always got something to say about whatever we're watching. You know, I've always got a comment about this and that character. And I share these. And I'm doing it because we're doing this together. We're not just two people in a room staring at the TV separately. And but it's a, it's a shared activity. And this has been quite a revelation to me because for the last 10 years, I've assumed, I mean, Anna makes these comments while she's watching TV. She makes these comments while she's cooking, while she's on the computer. I've just assumed they're rhetorical questions. <laughs> sort of, you know, she's talking to the guy on the TV, whatever, you know, it's just a little bit of, so I haven't responded. And I've just, in the process of putting this together, real, honestly realised that for 10 years she's been talking to me. <laughs> and I've, I've never, you know, so it's transformed things in our house, you know, now I've, I've got a, I'm responding, you know, I'm, I'm getting better, I'm learning. And it's really been an awakening for me that it's not that she just needs me to do nothing else but talk to her, it's that we could be doing stuff, but it's just we're conversing as we're doing it. So it's conversation as, am I, am I on the right track? You are. Conversation as we're, <laughs> as we're doing things. Right. You know, we had this big you know, revelation conversation a few months ago, and then maybe a month later he said to me, you know, I've been really trying, but what I have discovered is there really are times. Like, I really am pretty sure that a lot of the time you, you are still talking to yourself, really. <laughs> no, <laughs> still really talking yeah, to you. Yeah, still talking to me. <laughs> so we're still working on this. <laughs> So this is, you know, husbands, we've got to figure out what shows love to our wife. It might not be the quality time conversation thing. I don't think it is for many women, but it could be something else. Become a student of your wife and understand what expresses love for her and focus not on the authority, the hierarchy thing, but focus on how can I serve, how can I give myself up for her and what does that look like practically? And I think when you do this, you know, when you think about this kind of love for husbands, what it starts to look a lot like is submission. And that's not comfortable for us guys to think about because we think, oh, well, they're supposed to be submitting to us. But what is love without submission? How can I love Anna without submitting something to her? 
For me to practice 1 Corinthians 13 in any meaningful way, if I determine not to be easily angered, like Anna said before, I'm choosing to submit my desire to get angry to her. If I choose to practice patience, I'm choosing to submit my desire to be impatient to her. Love involves the giving up of something which necessitates a form of submission. So really, love and submission go hand in hand. Loving submission is what we're supposed to... It doesn't mean you're a doormat, guys, but it means we are giving ourselves up for our wives. We are submitting our desires and our interests and our preferences to what they are wanting and needing. And I think where this ultimately gets to is that Paul in this passage is giving husbands and wives two paths to the same summit, which is mutual submission. For husbands, that looks like love. For wives, that looks like respect. They're basically two ways of saying more or less the same thing. Nuanced to the needs of men and women, but as wives respect and submit to their husbands, and husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church and give themselves up, what they are doing in practice is submitting to one another. We're back to verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I think the ideal here is mutual submission. So we'll wrap up today just by looking at the idea of, well, how in the context of mutual submission do you then make decisions? And because we know that marriage is really just a series of little and big decisions. And I guess it could be easy to think that um, if you adopt mutual submission, well, then how do you ever make a decision? Because nobody has that final call. And it sounds simplistic, but I think the only way through that is to be really committed to talking things through. Um, and when it's come to decisions, and obviously we're talking really about the more major decisions for us, we've had to think, we've had to just work through together, figuring out what are each other's preferences and how can we hopefully reach a solution that works for the both of us. Um, and I think a lot of the time it does come down to recognising that, well, this decision, um, it's a bigger deal for one person than it is for the other. So just agreeing just to go with it for the other person's sake because it is just a bigger deal for them. Um, and I guess for us an example of that would be when we went um, overseas to study for a couple of years. And that was really Ruben's thing that he wanted to do and it wasn't my preference to go. I didn't really want to leave friends and family and job and um, the church here and move, move you know, to the other side of the world for a couple of years. Um, and it wasn't that Ruben was forcing that on me, but I guess that was a place where I just had to recognise this is a bigger deal for him and just submit my own desire there to say, you know, this is part of what God is doing in his life, preparing him for ministry, um, and just to get on board and go, and go with a willing heart rather than go kind of reluctantly. Um, and, you know, it turned out to be a great thing for both of us. And, you know, another example might be there might be a situation where there's a husband who, um, you know, he really wants his wife to preach a sermon with him. And that's not her preference, you know. She'd rather not. Um, but he just keeps... You know, nagging away, and she thinks, you know, as the more mature Christian, probably the thing to do would just be to submit her will, you know, and, and do what her husband wants. Nice. That just calls for pure submission right there. That's, that's what we're talking about. Um, but I think it is tricky, you know, because it takes negotiation, it takes time, and you have, to, you have to be committed to really talking it out because I think you can easily get into a situation of um, one person just thinking, right, I'm just going to submit, I'm just going to um, lay down my preferences and do what my husband or my wife wants to do. But if you're not committed to working it out, when that, I think that's just going to ultimately lead to resentment because it just um, really, one person can then just continue to be a martyr. Oh, yes, once again, I will submit myself and do what you want to do. And that can't really be healthy in the long term because I think that just means that that person's just going to get bitter and that's going to show itself in other ways in the marriage relationship. 
relationship. So you do have to be committed to talking it out and just the, the discussions and the time that that is going to take. And just a note on that as well, I think often these decisions, they can kind of come up out of the blue, can't they? And um, they come up in the discussion of so how did your day go today or whatever it is. And they kind of take us by surprise and in those moments it's um, I guess those are the times that it's easy to kind of, those situations get pretty hot pretty fast and there's a lot of friction there. And those moments where, no, but that's not what I want to do, that's not my preference, it's easy to kind of keep kind of um, sticking to your guns, I guess, and claiming your own interests and your own rights. And mutual submission is just never going to work if that's the mindset that you go into it with. Um, instead, you have to be prepared to go in with that, that right frame of mind, that right disposition of submitting to your husband, your wife, submitting to the spirit, um, putting, willing to put aside your own desires, um, having that loving attitude. And that's really hard to do in that moment where you're just kind of indignant that the person would even suggest that. And that's something that Ruben is really good at. When we have those moments of it's just, um, yeah, the fight is starting. I don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. We've got that difference of opinion. He's really good at saying, we'll talk about it another day. He, he, his little thing is he disappears for half an hour, an hour, whatever it is. He goes for a walk, he bounces a tennis ball. I go off in a, oh, I can't believe my husband would ever think that and suggest that to me. I go off and stew. He comes back. He has taken that time to get his, himself in the right frame of mind before God. And it's such a disarming thing for him to come in with just a humble spirit, a spirit that says, look, I want to submit to you on this and I want us to um, be able to work this through. And, you know, that, that is so disarming. And for me to have that person, to have that attitude come in, well, of course, then I want to respond in kind and say, well, you know, I don't want to now claim my rights here and stand on my rights. I'm willing to submit to you. So I think it is just being wise in the way you work through those and just thinking, right, now is not the time. Let's deal with it tomorrow. Let's deal with it tonight, whatever it is. And there's times too, I think, when it's just appropriate because one person in the relationship has more experience or, or skill or, or an inclination in a particular direction for the other person to take a cue from them. And that's definitely how it's working for us in terms of parenting Joshua. I mean, I'm hands-on. I'm in there. I'm changing nappies. But the, the reality is Anna is spending far more time during the day with Joshua than I am. She's just more in tune with his needs. So it's not an excuse for me to be passive at all. But it does mean that I take a cue from her. It does mean that I take a lead from her, that I respect her leadership in that situation. Again, it's not me becoming a doormat and it's not me abdicating my responsibility. It's just realizing, and this may not be the way it is forever, but for right now, I, 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 I'm more following than leading in that situation. That's okay. Um, Anna has often initiated prayer in our relationship far more than I have. And that's okay. Uh, we can respond to each other's leadership and affirm that leadership and submit. If one person is just more inclined towards finances, let them go with it. If one person's more organized and can do the social scheduling, let them, let them run with it. Of course with input and of course with involvement, but you work as a team, but you play to each other's strengths. It isn't just one person making all the decisions all the time and the other person just dutifully following. It's looking at who you are, what you bring into the marriage and, and negotiating things as you go along, depending on which way things are leaning. So, wrap it up there. I know that this has introduced what might be some new ideas and some fresh thinking on some things for some of you. This might not be the way that you've understood headship within marriage or submission. But we want to encourage you, if nothing else, just to keep an open mind. And to take this passage, and those of you that are married or engaged or even dating, take this passage this week and read Ephesians 5, 21 to 33 together. Just read through it. 
and ask yourself some questions. You're going to get a sheet, a couple of sheet as you go out the door this morning. Take the time in the next seven days to go through those questions. Ask each other, what do we understand headship to mean? in our relationship. What does this metaphor mean to us and how does it work? What does it mean as a wife? Submission and respect. Wives, ask your husbands, how do you need me to express respect to you? And then husbands, ask your wives, how do you need me to express love to you? How do you need to receive that? How can I be doing better to love and, and at times to submit to you? And then talk about this idea of mutual submission. How does it sit with you? What do you think of it? How, how might it work? What would it, what would it mean in your relationship? What would it change? What would decision making look like? It's going to be wrestling away with this stuff and we're just on the journey. We're growing along with all of you and we're still figuring things out and got a long way to go. But we're enjoying the journey and we just really believe, if nothing else, that Ephesians 5 is the ingredients towards successful marriage and is that we understand our roles and responsibilities. We can build marriages together that really do glorify God and honour one another. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for the chance today to share uh, with Anna. I thank you, Lord, for our marriage. I thank you for all the marriages in our church. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would take what we've said today and what we've shared and just press it on people's hearts as they need to hear it. Father, for every couple in this room, I pray that this week might be a week of great conversation over these things, that we would really dig deep and ask some hard questions and be prepared to learn from one another. Lord, I pray for those this morning that aren't married, that you would still just press these principles of good relationships on their hearts and enable them to take this into whatever relationships they experience and practice love and practice submission, even within friendships and family relationships. Father, as we do these things, would you form us into a community of healthy relationships and God-honoring marriages that really do express the love that you have for us. We thank you for this series. We pray that you would keep on building strong and healthy marriages and families within our church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Connection Point is a joint production between Connection Resources and Shore Community Christian Church. If you would like a free copy of today's message, please email us or phone us on 0800 90 30 90. To subscribe to our free podcasts or to listen to the latest message, go to connectionresources.org.nz.